Apostles and heathens, go on a 40-day hike in the desert with your 12 besties, go twinning in your robes and sandals, and sit all on one side of the table for the convenience of the portraitist. Because it's time to talk tall to me. What is, what is twinning? Twinning? Yeah, like just dressing up in the same outfit. Yeah. Is that a... Twinning! Is that a Gen Z thing? Is it a Zoomer thing? Is, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I don't, I don't know the terms. I, I'm not married to a Zoomer, so I wouldn't know. Listen. Welcome back, everyone. I am Omen Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. An apostolic journey through the holy land of Prague Rock, where Nick the Fisherman and Omen the Brown will experience conversion, persecution, and perform the dance of the seven veils, always seeking the truth of the word of Jethro Tull. Every sermon an album, every proverb a song, we will interpret, argue, form schisms, and ultimately develop into two distinct lines of Tullology. Nick, I want to be the Byzantine Tull Pope this time. You know what? You deserve it, Omen. You can be. Thank you. I appreciate that. Eventually, we will be betrayed by a kiss from Mick Abrahams, wept over by Dee Palmer, and we will ascend from our heavy rock cave to the bright realm of rock stardom. Wow. That, I'm, that, I'm done. That was a journey. Thank you. There was a lot going on there, and yeah, and frankly, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I was going to say I did research, but I asked my wife to do some research. <laughs> That's what are wives for? To pick up the slack. <laughs> Yikes. They are our better they are our better halves. In yeah, or better three quarters in some cases. Uh mm? oh. Hey, Nick. Hey, Omen. Before we jump into the meat of today's episode, yeah. let's play a little round of What Are You Drinking? Love it. It's been a while. Yes. Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. If you don't mind. I don't. I'm drinking a Southern Tier Brewing Company. Yeah. Limited release of 2Xmas. Oh. Double ale. Spiced double ale. It's brewed with orange peels, ginger root, cardamom, cinnamon, fig paste, and cloves. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something controversial. That sounds festive AF. Not controversial. It is well known and well accepted. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad we're among friends here. Um, that sounds great, Nick. Is it, is it delicious? It is tasty. It's tasty. It's it's very. It is as you know. I like a spicy and a fruity beer. It fits all of those things. <laughs> I do know that. I do know that. That's like, why you're friends with me. I love all things spicy and fruity. Indeed. <laughs> oh, oh, can Omen. I tell you what I'm drinking? Owen, what are you drinking? Oh, Nick, I'm drinking one of my very favorite. Things. It's it's nectar of the gods to me. It is a rum from mm. the island of Haiti. It is called Rum Barbancourt. And ah. it is aged in a French oak barrels. Uh, this <laughs> it this, is aged in a Frenchman. It's aged in a friend in a wooden Frenchman. <laughs> this one this one is aged for eight years. Mm. 
It's won a lot of awards. The thing that makes this distinct is that whereas most rum is made from molasses and therefore has goes through a sulfuring process, this is made straight from cane juice, and so it's nice and clean. Oh, and beca- wow. because of the French oak, it has some lovely, uh, some lovely overtones of of wood and vanilla. So the the sulfuring process. Explain that to me. Is that just because of of the what molasses is made of, essentially? Back in the days of the what they called the Golden Triangle, which was the the trade from Europe to the Americas, which was terribly tainted with the the stain of slavery. Mm-hmm. They had these big sugar plantations in the New World, and but you can't just transport sugar cane because it it rots. So they would preserve the sugars by making molasses, which is where you take the juice and you boil it down and do a syrup. And for some reason, they had to add sulfur, I think, as a preservative. Oh, okay. Okay. It it wasn't enough just to remove the moisture. You you needed more of a preservative. Is that basically what a sulfate is? Is that what you see in ingredients is sulfate for to preserve freshness? I'm going to say yes, although right. in actuality, I gen- I genuinely have no idea. All right. That is as much expertise as we are allowed on this podcast. Yeah, so. I'm exhausted now. <laughs> oh, how, how do you drink it? How do you drink your rum? Just straight? I drink it straight, yeah. Sometimes I add it to a little bit of sparkling water if I'm feeling festive. I drink it intravenous. Thank you. I, occasionally with a, a little tiny ice cube, but really it's a sipping rum. It's best straight. Rum temp, neat, right? Neat, neat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there it is. Yeah. Cheers to you, Omen. Cheers. Cheers to you. Clink, clink, clink. Clink, clink. And we have nothing else. That's why we spent a mm. little time on, on our imbibation. Indeed. Our beverage. And with that out of the way, Nick, what do we have the pleasure of talking tall about today? We have the joy of speaking about a little bird told me. Okay. That this is one of your favorite tracks off of this album. Even, I, I would say a little white duck even told mm. me. We are talking about one white duck slash zero to the power of ten equals nothing at all. Oh, Nick, I am so very excited. This is indeed one of my very favorite tracks off of this album and frankly off of any album. Really? It's it's that high up for I, you? I, I, I really enjoy this. Wow. Okay. Although at the end of this episode, maybe I will have changed that opinion. <laughs> I have my doubts. There, there have been very few instances where I'm, our minds have been changed at the end of a song. Generally, it's the the idea has been cemented even more staunchly. Sometimes, sometimes we've developed positive feelings for a song through discussing it. Right, right, right. It's it's yeah. never gone the other way, though. I don't think as if not, yet. Not yet. I have a feeling all of A is going to be like, yeah, okay. Well, I think there will be a, re- I, I don't want to say a renewed appreciation, but an actual appreciation. Just a nude appreciation. A, a nude appreciation. <laughs> well, so with that being said, Nick, shall we have a listen to One White Duck slash Zero to the Power of Ten equals nothing at all? Let's do that. Let's do it right now. I did not remember how much I enjoyed this song. I did not remember how just really delightfully acoustic this song is. It's so very acoustic. I mean, it's it's essentially nothing but. I mean, we got we got some strings in there, so it's but they're they're not electric strings, so. No, and we uh we do have a bass. You said the bass about 
Requiem too, and I never noticed the bass in that one or this one. Maybe I got to up the... I think you've got... Your headphones are a lot more... Are designed a lot more with bass in mind, I believe, than mine is. They're all about that bass. That, that's what I hear. That's what I hear, yeah. Maybe maybe it's just that I've got a bass face. I've got a face for bass. I can trace, I can trace the bass. The ace of bass. I'm the ace of bass. I saw the sign, <laughs> and it opened up my eyes. Do you remember that song? Uh, yeah, I, have, I do very much. So, yeah, wow, very acoustic. I mean, in some ways, it is not dissimilar instrumentationally from a Requiem. Correct. It, the bulk of it is acoustic and Ian singing with some strings in the background and, according to Omen Sage, some bass in there. Uh, alleged bass. <laughs> some alleged bass. Ghost bass. There is also... So this... this to me, conjures the image of kind of what we talked about before, which is Ian sitting alone in the mobile studio mm-hmm. late at late at night by himself, strumming on his guitar, singing his feelings. Much much less depressed than than Requiem was, though. A very different tone. A very yeah. very different tone. Yeah, a lot more a lot more allegorical and cryptic. I would say. Ooh, allegorical is such a good and accurate word to describe this, Nick. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you ten points for that. Oh I'm I'm finally on the board. I'm so excited. I can't believe this. <laughs> ten points to Nicador. That was that was uh, yeah. A little Harry Potter reference, yeah. The thing that I find so interesting about this song, Nick, is that in terms of the instrumentation we have the we have the slash it's broken up into two different sections mm-hmm. right and the first section starts out with that very typical for this album count off a one two three dum, bum, 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 bum. a one two three yep another revisit of the that live mhm the minstrel you're sitting yeah you're sitting in a chair watching this happen kind of thing yeah this one's called one white duck slash Zero to the power of 10 equals nothing at all. He's a witch! He does mathematics! <laughs> mathematics, burn him! Burn him! <laughs> and then we have the guitar, but but very soon after that, we have sneaking in the strings. Oh, at about and, 40 seconds they come in. Yep. And the motorway stretching right out to us all. And, unless it's all the peyote talking, the bass. I again, I I'm I gotta up the bass on on these. Yeah, the or the, or up the peyote, Nick. Up the peyote, it might be. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. that may be the problem. It may it might be. Yeah, those the the violins come in sweeping at first, and then the cello just underneath, just maybe like two to five seconds after that comes in on a different kind of melody to the violins. So they're 
they're both harmonizing and flowing with the acoustic, but they're not together. They're not doing the same thing. It's nice. Yeah, it's a great example of what D is so, so good at, which is counterpoint. Mm, mm, yeah, great way to put it. Very, she very She provides, you know, real composition here. Yes, absolutely. Ugh. Yeah, there there is a complexity that goes beyond just... I'm going to play the melody in the background on strings to go along with the singing. Right. Or I'm going to provide some sweeping chord effects. It's really, it's, if it's, and I think that the best example of this in this song is in the final, isn't it just too damn real? One white duck on your wall. We have this incredible pizzicato moment where the, the string players are picking their strings, plucking their strings. They do it in the first one too. They they do it in in both instances of that that proto chorus. Mm. Yep. Isn't it just too damn real? One white duck on your wall. One duck on your wall. One duck on your wall. Yeah, it's so lovely that pizzicato. I just I have that in there. I was going to ask you, is is pizzicato the term here? Is that is that what it is? It is. It, yeah, p- pizzicato. That's it, that is the that refers to the technique of plucking the strings of a bowed instrument. Yeah, yeah. So nice, so fun. A great a great change up to the the flow of those strings. Absolutely. And also they they do. There's this section of like th- of three lines in a row where they. They play with the sound where it's, a, I'll catch a ride on your violin. And then the violins come in. Yep. Strung up, strung upon your bow. The cello comes in. And I'll float on your melody, sing your chorus soft and low. And when he does the sing your chorus, it's a double up of Ian. I'll catch a ride on your violin. Strung up on your bow And I'll float on your melody Sing your chorus soft and low Mm. Yeah, it's really nice. It's really subtle and nice. And if you're not, like... Looking at the lyrics and really paying attention, it's it's easy enough to kind of just flow into the background, but it's a really nice, simple, subtle, sweet touch. Yeah, it's playing with the imagery. It's echoing the imagery in the actual music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's great. Oh, so lovely. So, so lovely. This whole song, I forgot how slow and like sweeping the song was. For some reason, I, I thought it was a little bit quicker, and it's maybe just because I, I think immediately to go to the zero to the power of 10 portion, which picks up just a little bit. It does. But the one white duck part is so nice. So slow and sweeping. So it's all, the whole thing is in three, four time. Okay. And and I think that's what gives it the sense of forward motion. Mm, interesting. Okay. As opposed to Requiem, which is in four, four, which I think just kind of plods. It it makes it sink. It makes it heavier than mm-hmm. than it could be. And the thing that I was going to observe is that when we go from one white duck on your wall to zero to the power of ten, mm. we have that sort of demi resolve, and then yeah. from that point on, it's just the guitar and Ian. 
singing. Yes. Yep. The strings go away for that. Yeah. He gives everyone else the night off. Mm-hmm. Go watch the Grand Prix if that's what you love. D, why don't you go? Uh, I'll pay you for only half of this song. When <laughs> just just do one way duck. Yeah. Uh, I'll pay you for the whole thing, but half of that is to take to the gambling casinos in in Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo. Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo. <laughs> so. My favorite sandwich, I'm, my favorite novel, my I'm favorite gambling den. My mind is full of uh, Alexander Dumas these days, Nick, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. So then we just have him rocking out in his garage Yeah. after his b- bad football game for the rest of the song. And it's amazing. Yeah, that transition is about 220, I think, if I caught yeah. it correctly. Yeah. And a lot of the musicality for from this song comes from the wordplay and the rhythms of the words. It's 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 especially rhythmic the way that he's singing this, mm-hmm. I feel. So just to note, that transition is 220. Mm-hmm. The entirety of the song is 438. So it's bang on in the middle. Yeah. These yeah. songs are are both equally of equal length. Very close, yeah. Yeah. Before we get into the meanings of it, mm-hmm. I think it's worth noting just some of the just some of the the musicality of some of the phrases the long sure. restless rustle of high heel boots calls well the long restless rustle of high heel boots calls yeah a, a simple pairing of of alliteration is is really nice i find that to have multiple instances of alliteration if you're doing all like four instances of an r or an h or something a single sound in a row it gets it gets pretentious and overbearing on the listener but to do like a couplet of of one and a couplet of another that's nice that's almost Mm. wordplay it's almost a little tripping on the tongue but it's it's nice it keeps the ear listening and it really kind of pleases absolutely yeah it keeps your ear on its toes it keeps your toe ears working. Ear toes, yeah. Ear toes. <laughs> There's no double lock defense. There's no chain on my door. Yeah. There's no double lock defense. There's no chain on my door. You know, interesting that he, he combines these monosyllabic lines or line sections, there's no chain on my door, with, I, and I'm available for consultation. And I'm available for consultation. Yeah, for some some heavy heavy syllables and and deeper longer words. Yeah, and he follows it all up with something that we hear at the very beginning of the album, which is that that I guess almost a tremolo chord on the guitar. That yes, that that final. Yeah, it's 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 got a feel to me. It's got a feel of it's got a very live feel of like I'm gonna do a little flourish on the end. Basically. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon that he did all this in one take? Oh. Even if even if it was an instance of messing up and having to go back and start again. But, oh but yeah, yeah. Full, I don't mean the, the full first record is is one round. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. I think the likelihood is very high. Yeah. Yeah. If we've learned anything about Ian, is he's a he's a he seems to be a he's bit a of Scotsman. a perfectionist. He's oh, a yeah. Scotsman. That's the only thing we've learned. That's the only thing we know. He seems to be a bit of a perfectionist and and 
really darn good at what he does. Yes. So I, I don't think he would really go into this being like, eh, we'll make it work. Yeah. You know, I think he, he was most likely pretty prepared. I also think that in this kind of recording where it is mainly just one instrument and a voice, it's difficult to hide edit points anywhere. Yes. Very good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that we've talked about the musical aspect of this song, Nick, I think it's time for us to dive into the lyrics. Yeah. We'll ostensibly treat this as as one song, but we'll just we'll we'll go in order and talk one, then talk the other. It's a song in two acts. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I think it could very well have been two separate songs, or it could very well have been just one song titled one song, you know, and and I wouldn't have blinked either way. Yes. So, Omen. So, Nick. What is the white duck? Oh, Nick, Nick, Nick. Nick. (laughs) I am so glad that you asked. So, I uncharacteristically actually did a little bit of research here. Shock. You're not allowed to, Omen. You you can't tell me this. (laughs) Sorry. I'm legally obligated to tell our our superiors. What? (laughs) Oh, yes. Which, who are us? <laughs> what I found was on a website called prose.com, P-R-O-Z.com. Okay. There is a subpage dedicated to one white duck on the wall. Wow. Okay. And the question is posed by Zmezka. Some years ago in 2003 is, you know, there's this old Jethro Tull song. I was wondering what the white duck might mean in the context. Any suggestions? Raheller, the same year, comments, a traditional wall ornament in northern England is slash was a set of three porcelain flying ducks, each smaller than the last. They tend to signify a well-established, settled household. If only one duck remains, one white duck on your wall, the suggestion is that the household or marriage has broken up. Wow. Hence this song. Whether the white duck is the only duck left or the pale outline where a duck has been removed from the wall is something to consider. So this is another breakup song. But it's it's like it feels like it's a little further down the line, like he's gotten over it, but he's still a little bitter. I think there are two possibilities here, Nick. I, I think that it is possible that it is a further down the line breakup song. I also think that it's a possible I think the possibility exists that it is a remembrance of a particular phase in the relationship where you essentially know that it's going to end but you're still clinging on to some of the beautiful parts of it and and okay. you're in the process of remembering it fondly. So it's not a sense of like of clinging to it in hopes that it will come back per se, but but you you don't you don't want to transition your mindset to being single again. Possibly, or it's already happened and you're looking back on it remembering those, you know, those bittersweet moments. Mm, yeah. Well, let's look at, let's look at some of the images here. Okay. There's a haze on the skyline to wish me on my way. All right, right. So, haze and going away. Great. <laughs> There's a haze on the skyline to wish me on my way. 
There's a note on the telephone, some roses on a tray. And there's a note on the telephone, some roses on a tray. Well, roses are a sign of affection, certainly. Right. You don't give somebody breakup roses, usually. Correct. Makeup. Makeup roses. Makeup yeah. roses. There's a note on a telephone. So something needs to be conveyed, but he's on his way out. So he's left a note. Okay. And he's left, left some roses. Yep. The motorway stretching right out to us all as I pull on my old wings. And the motorway stretching right out to us all As I pull on my old wings One wire duck on your so there's this sense for me of leaving in the early morning, mm-hmm. hence the haze. Yeah, okay. And this inevitability, the old wings, the wings that you've worn so many times because you are that's what you do. You fly away. Huh, okay. And the, the hungry motorway, the motorway stretching right out to us all, the motorway pulls you onto it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the line uh, that Gandalf says in The Lord of the Rings. It's a dangerous thing stepping onto the road, Bilbo Baggins. You never know where it might sweep you off to or something. Else. Mm. Remember what Bilbo used to say? It's a dangerous business, Frodo. Going out your door, you step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. So, Nick... Why don't we move on to the the second part of the song, the, the post slash? So fly away, Peter, and fly away, Paul. So this is the Jesus reference that you were that you made in the opener, yeah? It was because we have a, a reference bit. to Peter and Paul, Peter mm-hmm. the apostle, Paul the late the not apostle, but he did stuff later. <laughs> the 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 late apostle, the, the apostle, yeah. But that's that's really it, though, right? I mean, yeah. even the next after after that hyphen from the fingertip ledge of contentment. Mm-hmm. From the fingertip ledge of contentment. I mean, that's is is that something that Jesus told to his disciples? Like, don't be content. Mm, Nick, maybe Nick, Nick, I don't Nick. know. Been a long time since I've been to church. So here we are again on the the rickety rope bridge of Omen's internet research. I I knew I, I knew <laughs> Peter and Paul were references to to biblical figures. Yes, and that's why I wrote the intro based on that. But Go on. the phrase "fly away, Peter, and fly away, Paul," I knew oh. ring. I knew rang some very dusty bell in the deep winding corridors of my memory. It's a children's lullaby or something right isn't it like a children's song it's a children's rhyme indeed yes it is the title of that poem of that rhyme is as i'm sure many of our listeners know two little dicky birds mm, classic. <laughs> classic classic your classic dicky birds yep. <laughs> just a just a little dicky bird rhyme like we do it dates back to the 18th century it was first published, I'm reading from allnurserymes.com. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere else. It was first published in London in the collection called Mother Goose's Melody okay. in 1765. 
Okay. There's no evidence as to the exact origin or or author. It was uh, originally the names were Jack and Gill. Hmm. They were eventually changed to Peter and Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's it's played as a game where you hold your fingers in front of you as the two little dicky birds. Okay. And then you make them disappear one by one. Fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. And then you bring them back. Would you like to hear the whole thing? Oh, yes. I, yeah, I, this is the whole reason we did this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, everyone. Put your hands in front of you. Two little dicky birds sitting on a wall. One named Peter one named Paul. Fly away, Peter. Fly away, Paul. Come back, Peter. Come back, Paul. That's it. Wow, that was... That barely rhymed. Yeah. Kind of a stretch there. Yeah, and it never says, it never uses the phrase Dicky Bird, which which I find pretty disappointing. But... Yeah, right. In terms of the lyrics, I think it's very interesting. So, So, fly away, Peter, and fly away, Paul. Nick... Does this refer to the other two white ducks? Did Peter and Paul, the ducks, the little dicky birds, fly away, leaving one white duck? Okay. From the fingertip ledge of contentment, meaning that that's, that's basically where where the the relationship fell apart is you just lived in contentment for a while. Yeah, which isn't much to hold on to. Also, mm. it's a finger game. Yeah, 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 yeah. The fingertips, okay. so there's sort of layers of meaning here. Okay, I'm liking it. I'm I'm digging it here. And then we have the long, restless rustle of high-heeled boots call. I think that's pretty clear. The saloon girls, yes? Yeah, yeah. A, a, a sound of allure, yeah. Yeah, it could actually be Noel Fielding's boots. I mean, I'm allured to him as well. He's so. extremely alluring. I'm, I, I would love to spend so much time with that man. Oh, and here's the other biblical bit, that the other thing that reminded me of the, the biblical story. The biblical story, the story of, of the Jesus. <laughs> that, <laughs> y- you know, the, the Jesus. And I'm probably bound to deceive you after all. And I'm probably bound to deceive you after all. Referring, of course, to... Pon- mm. No, not Pontius Pilate. Mm. Who was Can't. the one who did it? Judas. Judas. There we go. Got there. Got there. <laughs> Together. Together we made it. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Not terribly clear or concise or clean cut. <laughs> no, not at all. But but I am in no way upset about it because I, I am accustomed to it at this point. So then here I think we get to what is possibly the most, the clearest, in my mind, description of why this relationship, let's call it a fictional relationship for the sake of the song, fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Something must be wrong with me and my brain if I'm so patently unrewarding. Something must be wrong with me and my brain if I'm so patently unrewarding. Now, is is that? And I know I'm. it, It could go either way, but is that? Is it snarky and facetious, or is it like really self-loathing, where I'm I'm useless, I can't do anything, or oh, I'm I'm unrewarding to be with? You're worthless. You're less than nothing. What's keeping you here? You don't belong here. Why don't you just quit? Cause I got no place else to go. Could go either way. I'm I'm gonna go with 
with honest self analysis. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had a uh, an entanglement, Nick? A love a love entanglement that was very one sided, and let's say, for instance, the person who was the the other side of this relationship was great and smart and pretty and attractive and you enjoyed spending time with them and there was just something about it that you that you just couldn't get into somehow something about about that person the relationship some something wasn't cricket as the kids say or is it or something or something with you oh oh yeah is you know it, it yeah yeah is it my fault that i can't be happy with this relationship right. or is it yeah here's this person oh, they're perfect they love me what's wrong with me yeah that i can't just be happy and make this work woof i used dredged up some serious <laughs> some serious stuff in my life we're going to cut to a commercial break here well nick goes to therapy it's Uncle Frankie's flute cleaner. Do you have a dirty flute? I'm sure we all do. Get yourself a pint of Uncle Frankie's flute cleaner and your flute will be sparkling in no time. Just one dip and it'll lip and zip. <laughs> Welcome back. I have spoken to my therapist. I've okay. taken a Xanax. I've yeah. blown my nose. We're good. Yeah, I've joined the French Foreign Legion to forget. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, to, to, to go further on, to build upon that theory, but my dreams are for dreaming and best left that way. Mm. But my dreams are for dreaming and best left that way. Very much. I, I'm I'm nothing but a dreamer and 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 I'll never amount to anything but dreams. Yeah. And my zero to your power of ten equals nothing at all. And my zero to your power of ten equals nothing at all. And I think that's the clincher, isn't it? Oh my gosh! I'm bringing nothing to re- to the relationship. You've got everything going for you. You've you're you you are perfect, and you're you're you've you've got it all. But it doesn't matter how much you love me. You can polish a turd only so much. It's still a turd. Wow. Yeah. How's that for? You can multiply my apathy a million times and it's And still... I'll still be like, eh. Yeah. 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 Sad. Difficult stuff, Nick. Yeah, it's 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 pretty harsh. It's pretty harsh. So then we have some other some other the, the lyrics at this point for me become increasingly opaque until they yeah. are a true Vanta Black of meaninglessness. <laughs> just just depthless, staring <laughs> into the void. <laughs> only, the only creatures who live there are the one who feed off the volcanic vents. There's no light. Yeah, yeah bioluminescent. Mm-hmm. There's no double lock defense, no chain on my door, and I'm available for a consultation. Okay. I didn't stop you. You could have spoken to me before before this happened. We could have worked this out. Right, right. I'm open to talking about it. Yeah. But there's nothing to talk about. But remember, your way in is also my way out. But remember, your way in is also my way out. <gasps> the door. Mm-hmm. Once you open the door, I'm going to walk out of it. I could. I could. It's not it's not a promise. It's like remember Right. This 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 could go either way. Every time God opens a door, a fly flies in. That's that is a famous proverb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and love's four letter word 
is no compensation. And love's fallen word is no compensation. What is love's four-letter word? Well, the, the, a four-letter word is most curses, most swears sure. are four-letter words. So anything being a four-letter word, it's it's that. It's 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 shoehorned into that. If something is a four-letter word, it's 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 a curse. Love is a four-letter word. And love just so happens to be a four-letter word. That being said, how does and love's four-letter word is no compensation? It's almost like saying love's love for love's sake mm. is pointless. Yeah, and it's loving to love is more of a curse than than you gaining something from it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So then we get to, well, I'm the black ace dog handler. I'm a waiter on skates. <laughs> Which... Well, I'm the black ace dog handler. I'm a waiter on skates. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think he could be any more clear. I get it, Ian, and it, I feel it. I feel it, and it's moving me. I, too, am a waiter on skates. <laughs> One of my favorite lines, so don't jump to your foreskin conclusion. Obviously, I play on your foregone conclusion, but... Yep. Just, just a bit of silly penis humor. So don't you jump to your foreskin conclusion. Yep, classic. Class, the thing that Ian is known for. Because I'm up to my deaf ears in cold breakfast trays. Because I'm up to my deaf ears in cold breakfast trays. A reference back to being a waiter. To be cleared out before I can dine on your sweet Sunday lunch confusion. To be cleared before I can dine on your sweet Sunday lunch confusion. Mm. The song ends in there. confusion. <laughs> in so many ways does it end in confusion. <laughs> I Rather than diving into that peculiar morass of a verse, I, I want to kind of zoom out for a second. Sure. Yeah, I think that, that would probably make for better content at this okay. point. So I wrote down something about there. There's a moment, you know, in the first half of this song, I'll catch a ride on your violin, strung up on your bow. I'll, I'll float on your melody, sing your chorus soft and low. Sing your chorus soft and low. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if he is he is speaking about his lover as if they are a song. Okay, which makes me wonder if. We're moving into the territory of, all right, I know this relationship is going to end or it's already over and I'm processing it. And I am going to use the pain and bittersweet hurt of this relationship as my muse, that you are no longer a human being. You are now an abstracted memory and thus can inspire me. You know, you oh. walk away with nothing and even though... Even though I offered nothing, what I get out of it is this, the heartbreak inspiration. Okay. Okay, like, so, like so it wasn't a complete loss, essentially? As, as, as crappy as it was and as painful as it was, it wasn't a complete loss. Not for the writer, not for the singer. Well, right, yeah. Because he, huh. he takes with him the song of this person. Okay. So this is this is this generation's someone like you. Yeah. Do you, do you want a second to Google those lyrics so you can sing it? I don't need them. You considered it, didn't you? Never mind, I'll find someone like you. I will. 
wish nothing but the best for you. You already started high, so are you going to hit this one? Never mind, I'll find someone like you. I wish nothing but the best for you too. Don't forget me, I think I'll remember you say. Sometimes it lasts in love, but sometimes it hurts instead. And woof. Now I'm out of oxygen. I'm gonna dog is very upset about that. <laughs> I used to I used to play that song on the mandolin. Oh, I bet that sounds very nice. I was I mean I was the backup, obviously. Right, right. This Back. was Fox and the Hound. It was. Right? It was. Yeah. Nick, what else do we want to say about this song? You know what, Omen? What? I don't want to say anything else. Okay. What if I force you to? I feel uncomfortable now. Okay. I feel I feel pressured. I feel on the spot. I feel put out. I feel put upon. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I that's where I like you, Nick. Stretched and uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> on the rack. Mm, on the rack. <laughs> no, I got nothing else. I got nothing else about this song. I'm more excited and interested in the musicality. Yeah. But but the lyrics are nice. The poetry of the lyrics are nice. You know, we were talking at the beginning of this podcast, we were joking that, you know, maybe our opinions were going to change about this song. And actually, I find that mine has in a way. Oh, okay. But for, for the negative or for the positive? Neither. <laughs> it's, it, is, it has gone completely horizontal. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I've, I've gone into the fifth dimension of opinion. Okay, go on. <laughs> it's, I used to... When I used to listen to this song as a youth, as a youth, oh. I felt it was a love song, like a "Oh, I love you so much," mm, mm-hmm. "Oh, my tenderness." Yeah, and and it was sort of aspirational for me. It's like, oh, okay, I want to be a duck on a wall. I don't have any idea what that means, <laughs> but I want it. I want it because it sounds so gorgeous. The way that he sings it, it's so full of longing yeah. and warmth and affection. Mm-hmm. And now I realize this is really about the loss of a relationship and potentially the weird artistic greedy <laughs> mathematics that one does to justify such things mm. to oneself yeah it's not a change of opinion it's a change of of perception it's a it's a deepening of my relationship with this song yeah yeah and the idea of of the excuses and the the explaining away of the end of ending of a relationship. We've all been through it. We've all done it and it's it's a really it's a really interesting way to to explain it and to see it portrayed and yeah. I I definitely have a, a greater appreciation for for this song and certainly the content without a doubt. I think there's an element that I can see reflected in my own past of the Maybe it's a male tendency, Nick, I don't know, to 
to justify to kind of write yourself as a melancholy hero of an mm. end of a relationship rather than owning up to like, well, actually, maybe I was a bit of a jerk. Yeah, right. It's like, well, I will be a, a white duck and I will fly away on my <laughs> wings from from maybe just not being a very good partner. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's... It's relatable and it's tough. Yeah, we, we all need some, some reflection here at this point. And on that note, Nick... <laughs> deeply depressing note. Omen... Nick... What are we listening to next week? Ooh, I am glad that you asked because it gives me... Because I definitely know. ...a moment to look it up. Oh, Nick, next week we are diving into what is likely to be the meatiest, crunchiest, superfood, stuffed, good cholesterol-filled song on this entire album. It is, next week, Baker Street Muse. Baker Street Muse, everyone. Say it one more time, preacher. 16 and a half minutes, Baker Street Muse. Baker Street Baker Street. Until then, if you see one white duck on your wall, go out and shoot four more and put them on your wall and underneath each one of them hang a golden star and then take those stars and... Give them to us in the form of an iTunes rating. Send those carcasses of white ducks directly through the mail to iTunes, (laughs) and they will translate it to to They will. It's a new thing that they do. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Carcass star translation. Yeah. If you're feeling sad about the breakup that you're about to experience with this episode once it's Mm -hmm. done, write your feelings in the form of a positive review and send it to us or write us an email. Tell us how you're feeling. Let us know. We're here for you. We're we here will, for you once a week. We will never break your hearts more than once every seven days. That's that's it. And and yeah. we're gonna stick to that. Hey, with you'd be you'd be losing no I I got I got nothing. <laughs> Sorry. My my vaudeville circuit's burnt out. Until Baker Street News next week. I am Nick McGill. I am Omen Said. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tell to Me. Now, Widow Johnny... You have to remember that the ducks hide in the, the grass. Yes, Pa. And we have to be quiet, otherwise we'll scare the ducks. That's right, Pa. But if we are patient and quiet and don't move, we could shoot ourselves some ducks today, and we can hang some ducks on our wall. Oh, gee, Pa, that's what I want. Oh, I think I see some rustling in those reeds over there. Is it gonna come out of the reeds, Pa? Quick, quick, shoo, shoo! (laughs) It's just a talk told to me. You know, those are just a member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Let's blast it anyway! (laughs) Yeah, it deserves it.